Japanese and Chinese vessels in increasing proximity in the seas surrounding Japan and China, and that's just inherently dangerous. And accidents do happen over time, and I think that geopolitical tensions could easily heat up going forward. And what you're seeing with, with you know, Coast Guard movements, it's kind of a metaphor for the ways in which Japan and China um, could be experiencing increased tensions going forward. So, so I guess we'll see how that plays out. Significant, I suppose, that it's coming as, uh, as Joe Biden is also signaling that he wants to renew uh, the alliances with Asian powers, including uh, Japan. Indeed. I mean, I mean, certainly, you know, people like to think that Donald Trump was a disaster for China. But I actually, I think China misses Donald Trump in many ways. And I think Joe Biden's arrival is one of the reasons, because you will see Joe Biden treating Japan as a true ally and friend in ways that Trump did not. And the military mm -hmm. alliance between the two countries will be more of a partnership and collaboration than a shakedown, as we saw during the Trump years. Okay, thanks, William. That's Tokyo-based journalist and author William Pessick. Thank you, You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in Japan right now, uh, the Nikkei 225 more or less flat. The ASX 200 in Australia up about two-thirds of a percent. Futures markets indicating a rise of about 200 points for the Hang Seng at the open. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil trading at 50, uh, sorry, $68.15 a barrel. Gold is at 1683 dollars an ounce thank you very much for listening this morning do please stay tuned to radio 3 back chats coming up next with hugh chiverton and ada wong the weather forecast for today mainly fine maximum temperature is going to be around 24 degrees windy in the next couple of days and then mainly fine on friday and warm during the day it's 20 degrees right now 80 percent relative humidity it's 8 32 here's susan lavender with the half hour news a leading epidemiologist has expressed concern over recent deaths of people who'd received the Sinovac coronavirus vaccine. An expert panel has so far ruled there's no link to the vaccines, but Professor Ben Cowling from the University of Hong Kong says there isn't enough overseas experience on using Sinovac on elderly people to ascertain its effects. The mainland-made vaccine isn't recommended for people over 60 on the mainland, but it's being offered to the elderly here, who were first in line for the jab. Here's Professor Cowling. I know for other parts of the world they've been using other vaccines, particularly the BioNTech vaccine, the AstraZeneca vaccine, and we haven't heard too much about, about concerns of adverse reactions in the days following vaccination. So I think we, we, we really should continue with the BioNTech vaccine. For Sinovac, uh, I'm a little bit uncertain what's the right step next, because we don't have a lot of international experience to rely on with that vaccine. The number of people who've died from COVID-19 in Italy, one of the country's worst affected by the pandemic, has now exceeded 100,000. The health ministry said there were more than 300 deaths from the disease in the last 24-hour period. The United Nations has expressed concern about the fate of an unknown number of protesters in Myanmar trapped by security forces in Yangon. The UN Human Rights Office said they'd been carrying out a peaceful protest and should be allowed to leave without reprisals. Andrew Nakamson is a freelance journalist based in Yangon. They recently reintroduced an old law that makes it illegal to stay outside of your neighborhood without informing local authorities. So any of these protesters who are staying currently at a friend's house or, or somebody else's house who's given them shelter would technically be violating this law. But the reason that they're still there is because the police haven't been letting them leave. 
So there's a real concern that we could start seeing raids and having the police go from house to house, kicking down doors and searching for protesters, making mass arrests or something that could get even uglier. Astronomers have analysed the most distant source of radio waves ever discovered. The source is something scientists call a radio-loud quasar. The BBC's Guy Pitt reports. This kind of quasar is an extremely bright object which has powerful jets emitting at radio wavelengths. The researchers, whose work is published in the Astrophysical Journal, say the object is so far away, its light has taken 13 billion years to reach Earth, meaning it can be seen as it was when the universe was at an early stage of development, only 800 million years old. Quasars are found at the centre of some galaxies and are powered by huge black holes. The astronomers say the discovery of this one could help them understand the early universe. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking about COVID-19 developments, including the vaccine controversy and the resumption of ESF classes. And after 9.15, the closure of UA cinemas. Some 1.3 million workers from various industries can start making appointments for coronavirus vaccines from today, including teachers, public transport drivers, restaurant staff, couriers, construction workers, and people working in gyms, beauty parlours and wet markets. At the same time, an expert committee monitoring the side effects of vaccines is waiting for an autopsy report report on the third person to die after taking the Sinovac vaccine with another two people being taken into intensive care. And some English schools foundation parents are petitioning the school management against the decision to resume full-time in-person teaching. Whose side are you on in that debate? And then after 9.15 we'll be discussing the closure of UA cinemas. What triggered it? Online video platforms or COVID-19? Let us know your thoughts on all these issues. You can leave a message on our Facebook page Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You you can email us backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us and our number is 233-88266. That's 233-88266 if you want to join the discussion or discussions um, this morning. Joining us for the first part of the programme we have with us now Dr Alvin Chan, paediatrician, co-chairman of an advisory committee on communicable diseases for the Hong Kong Medical Association. Uh, Dekai Wu, who's a professor in the Department of Computer Science and Engineering at the University of Science and Technology and also uh, a parent a parent of a KG5 child and uh, other parents and uh, 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 vice chair of the Parent Teachers Association from uh, ESF will be joining us uh, later in the programme. Once again, our email address is backchat at rthk.hk. We've already had a few uh, questions uh, on uh, medical issues, um, so maybe we'll, we'll get to those um, straight away with the help uh, of uh, Dr Chan. Dr Chan, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Okay, let's go straight into this from Matthew. Um, Matthew says, the government and expert panel's response to the three people who died and several who suffered serious illness after taking the Sinovac vaccine seems to be very similar to their messaging strategy around the improvement to our electoral system. It's your fault, not ours, and everything is okay, with blame and responsibility being immediately shifted to the victims, existing illnesses, and their family doctors. It will be interesting to see the vaccination rate 
data to see how many people are reassured by this storyline. I bet not even the loyalists of patriots are buying it. I have two questions for this morning's expert guests, which I hope they can answer directly in a fact-based way. Uh, one, is it really true that the mainland government has not approved Sinovac for people over 60, yet Hong Kong has? And if so, how could this possibly be? Professor Cowling mentioned on Hong Kong Today that the Hong Kong government is no longer recommending Sinovac for people over 60, but another expert seems to indicate this has not yet been done. Can someone clarify? And a second question, we have seen lots of mainland vaccine diplomacy media propaganda with authoritarian leaders in the half dozen or so countries who are using Sinovac, receiving shipments at their airports and gushing with thanks to the CCP. Is there any data available on Sinovac death or illness rates in other places where it's being used? Or is Hong Kong the only place where this has been made transparent? Uh, Dr. Chan, what about the, uh, first of all, it, it, what is the advice for Sinovac for people over 60 on the mainland and in Hong Kong? Do you know? Um, I think that is just a plain fact uh, that uh, in the literature of the um, vaccine provided in the mainland China and the instructions from the health bureau of the health ministry um, in the mainland China, it clearly has stated that um, it's not advisable for people uh, to, uh, well, over 60 years of age to have uh, Sinovac vaccine. And that is, uh, so far as I understand, that is true. And so why is it so that in Hong Kong, we allow uh, people older uh, to have this faction is because uh, I think our scientific advisory committee in Hong Kong advising the government that although the third phase uh, research had not yet been published internationally in uh, peer-reviewed journals, uh, the scientific committee had made the decision that from the data they had obtained from Sinovac that um, in the second phase or the um, early uh, third phase study not published, they had obtained the data that oh, um, out of those 400 um, people studied in the research, um, they had received the vaccine. Um, the data show that it's safe and effective. And so, um, in fact, they consider that then um, the benefit of receiving the vaccine, although there's no published data in the third phase trial, um, they, the benefit is bigger than the risk of taking the vaccine. And so they concluded that uh, in Hong Kong then, in need of a vaccine, as early as possible at that time, they concluded that um, they would allow um, the Sinovac to be used in Hong Kong uh, also on such emergency use um, that they can be given to uh, people older than 60 years of age. I remember that was stated in the news and from their statement. Um, so, of course, uh, this is... Uh, a scientific uh, committee's decision, and uh, and so. Um, well, what, we yeah, but was it was it was it the wrong decision? Well, I could not really uh, say that it is right or wrong because I think um, 
it is not a really um, we, we still have to prove whether those uh, fatal outcome after vaccination is really due to the vaccination or not or it's just incidental we didn't have the conclusion yet I think the scientific committee still have to study about it um, but then uh, they had changed now that uh, initially of course in the community um, vaccination centers it's, it's difficult to have clinical assessment or for the doctors there to have clinical judgment and uh, but now I think uh, the government has said that um, anywhere you are going to have the vaccine you need to have clinical judgment from the medical personnel there whether the vaccine are really suitable for the vaccination because sometimes the elderly patients they really don't know their own clinical situation mm. uh, they, they could not be sure whether they are fit for the vaccination or yes. not um Do- dr chen uh, in addition to yes. the age um, advice uh, I read somewhere that on the instructions, they actually said that if your blood pressure is over 140 stroke 90, then you're advised not to take the jab. So so how could, um, you know, anyone, uh, you know, um, ha- have a blood pressure uh, monitor? Uh, do, do you think that they, they should take the blood pressure of people, um, you know, at those centres? Well, I think um, blood pressure measurement um, is not... Um, uh, a very what what can I say? Uh, blood pressure fluctuates over um, time, and also according to the temperaments and the tension of the person. So individually, one person could have a higher blood pressure at this time and a lower blood pressure at the next hour. So I think it is difficult just to um, exclude some people at um, one reading of the sigmomanometer say some people have um, white coat uh, phobia and then it's it's not uh, really truly representative of his uh, blood pressure situation over the day so I I think um, it is a clinical record or the um, follow-up of the patient uh, in the in the in the clinics that uh, he used to visit I think those records should be important, but it's difficult for the people to trace. The I, I think it's difficult for for centers. anybody. Yeah, it's difficult for anybody to um to understand. You know what what is your health condition? Uh, for example, I know uh, older people who have diabetes and they have been taking medication, and so yes, exactly. I mean, is that situation in control? Uh, because there's a question on that as well. Uh, and, and it was also advised that, you know, if you have diabetes, perhaps it's uh, not advisable for you to take the Sinovac. Um, and so the, even yeah. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, um, well, I think that this matter has to be concerned and the scientific committee should come up to some advice, sensible advice to the public, to the people in mass vaccination. So everybody needs to be um, have a peace of mind when he's going to have the vaccination. So okay. I do agree with you. All right, we, we have some other specific questions to say. So there was Matthew's second question. Uh, is there da- data available on, on Sinovac death or illness rates 
uh, presumably they mean you know relate in relation to sign to uh, uh, side effects following vaccination in other places. Do we do we do you know if that information is uh, available? I don't think we have, of course. Because, we don't have that. Uh, no. Any yeah 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 any scientific study. Now I, I will advise, and I, I think they should have um, some some studies going on in Israel mm. and in Singapore. They had agreement with uh, Pfizer or BioNTech that they will do research on all data, all the vaccines in their countries. So, to, uh, so we, we on and off, we have received news reports and the scientific reports of the uh, ongoing vaccination in Israel. And that is excellent. So I think in Hong Kong, our academic uh, community should also have such uh, research. But you don't you don't know of research being done where where the Sinovac vaccine has been used. I think uh, it must be um, okay. I think uh, because uh, in Hong Kong, the University of Hong Kong, and uh, say Professor Gabriel Long, I know he's a very very good um, scientist and academic researcher in epidemiology, and I think. Uh, we should have been able to cooperate with the CHP or the HA so that we can conduct the um, re- reporting of such uh, ongoing vaccination like those undergone in Israel and uh, Singapore. I think we should not be inferior to them, isn't it? And, and transparency should be here in Hong Kong. This sure, Hong sure Kong. no, the, the question isn't about us reporting. It's about what happen, what's been happening in other places. Do we know what the rate of side I effects think, has been and the reaction yes, has been in other places? Uh, 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 no, I, I, I haven't heard of any reports of okay. the, uh, uh, side effects or mortality yes. after vaccination. Okay, we do have some more specific questions, so I, I really like your opinion. Thanks, Dr. Chan. Okay, so uh, Bernadette says, my husband and I are scheduled for our first Pfizer vaccine on 24th of March. Uh, just checking if we can be safe in that closed area. Our ages are 79 and 74, so we were not young anymore. We've kept ourselves from getting infected to try out the hospital authorities' performance. Do we need to carry our own pen? Should we be asked to sign documents? Anything else that's important we need to know? Uh, yeah, and that's from... I Bernadette. think you have to, yeah, have to communicate with your um, doctor, with okay. your family physician, and they should be clear about your Okay. All right. LP uh, has an email that says, uh, I am 58-year-old who was looking forward to being the next on the priority list for vaccinations. As a lot of health issues can often start in people from around 50 upwards, I felt Hong Kong would do the same as other countries where they went from the over sixes to the next priority group from 45 or 50 upwards. Now, I've heard that 1.3 million people in an industry group that I do not come under will be the next priority group. I feel very concerned now that by the time they come to me, a person who's close to 60, there will be no more beyond take vaccines left and I will not have the choice to get vaccinated even though I've been desperate to do so. Um, uh, is there anyone who can give me assurances that by the time they open up to someone like myself to book the vaccine there will be enough of them left? Any comment on that Dr Chen? Oh yes uh, although the first batch of uh, beyond tech coming to Hong Kong is only half a million but then uh, the rest will be coming because the Hong Kong government had ordered 7.5 million doses of uh, BioNTech, as far as I know. And so at least 350 million people could have two doses of BioNTech. Really, all of those 
uh, citizens who want biotech. Uh, so I don't think that would be a difficulty because okay. uh, the con- that's a contract, I think. All right. Uh, one, one more uh, quick question uh, from Doug, who says there was a recent report in a British newspaper that some doctors are recommending that to improve the immune system and development of resistance to COVID-19, one should refrain from drinking alcohol for two days before vaccination and two weeks thereafter. Uh, is there any scientific justification for this? Any... I think uh, it's not an official advice, as far as I know. But then, of course, alcohol could increase the blood pressure and, uh, it's, uh, of course, could uh, stimulate your cardiovascular system and, uh, I think, could agitate our temperament. So in these aspects, then, I think um, it increases the blood pressure, then I think, uh, well, of course, it seems to be sensible not to make ourselves labile. And uh, I think uh, it's not an instruction as far as I heard from all those uh, literature. Mm. Okay, Dr. Chan, many many thanks for for joining us, uh, co-chairman of the Advisory Committee of Communicable Diseases at the Hong Kong Medical Association. We want to turn to another aspect of uh, COVID now, and that's uh, schools going back, in particular ESF. There's been some uh, controversy over a decision by uh, ESF to uh, move towards uh, full resumption of classes with regular testing of uh, teachers. Uh, We have three interested parties uh, joining us now. Professor Dekai Wu from the University of Science and Technology is also a parent. Uh, Another uh, parent, uh, Nancy, and uh, Sepna Harris, who's the vice chair of the Discovery College uh, Parent Teacher uh, Association. Uh, Professor Wu, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. I think you you're, you're, you you have done research into the spread of uh, COVID or modelling, the at least uh, yes, modelling in theory, the, the, the spread of the disease, and that's led you to a particular conclusion. Do you want to explain? Uh, well, uh, we, we've done a tremendous amount of work over the past year with the international team uh, about looking at the spread of... We, we've built two different epidemiological models uh, looking at how COVID spreads. And we did it specifically in the context last year of masking because it was so controversial around the world. One of the things that we discovered is that it's really hard for non-specialists to understand the speed at which these viruses spread. Uh, you, you, it takes only one single case to transmit an, in an infected cluster of dense people uh, where, you, where you have a brand new cluster that then runs out of control again. And we built uh, um, an in-browser simulation so that you can see how that happens. To this day, you can do that, and I can provide the URL. But what you need to do is to also realize that there's a two to three week delay before you see that happening. So the ESF proposal to resume full classes is extremely dangerous because if you, you know, just by testing teachers and staff once or twice uh, uh, every month uh, or, or even four times a, a month, you will not see that cluster until two or three weeks later. And testing the teachers and staff is nowhere near enough to capture because they are a tiny fraction of the populations at the ESF schools. Most of them are students. And there's plenty of evidence that students, even though they don't have hard symptoms and many are asymptomatic, they are still a a major vector for transmission. Testing the teachers is not going to catch that. Hong Kong has done a tremendous amount of work to try to keep COVID in check. And it's extremely foolhardy at this point to risk it all Most schools are not doing this. ESF was one of the only systems that is trying to do this. 
And I understand, you know, it's English Schools Foundation, but if this mentality is coming from the way that England has managed COVID, uh, resulting in the worst death rate from COVID in the entire developed world, this is not one of the th things that we want to learn from England. Okay. Uh, also with us in the is uh, Nancy, is a KG5 parent. Good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, thanks well, very much indeed for joining us. So uh, I have no idea, which side are you on in this discussion? Uh, yes, I hear what expert, the doctor just mentioned, and uh, us parents, absolutely, we want to put our students, our kids, safety as the most important thing. However, uh, I think, you know, what happened recently is about an EDB decision. EDB made a decision to give the choice to school and have school make the decision whether their teachers should take the test every 14 days. Um, you know, I'm not a medical expert, so I have no opinion as to how virus works. But however, I do think, you know, EDP, EDB need to take responsibility. They need to talk to experts, get an opinion, and make a decision. The decision they made wasn't a true decision, but they kicked the board to the school, have the school to make a decision, and which can cause a lot of chaos. That some school, you know, had a teacher already started you know, doing testing, and some school, you know, still hesitating, some school wait and say. So in my personal opinion, I think, you know, EDB in the best position to make a decision for the parents, for the teacher, and for the students, which they did not do so. Okay, so you're, you're kind of on the fence, <laughs> are you, Nancy, is that right, when it comes to yes. me? Okay, all right. Uh, also with us is, is uh, we'll get back to you, but, uh, uh, also with us is uh, Sepna Harris, Vice Chair of the Discovery College uh, Parent Teacher Association. Good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, and, and what's your take on this? Do you think that uh, they should resume full-time teaching or not? Yeah, look, look it's, it's a complicated issue, and I have, uh, and I'm a parent of three kids at ESF, but uh, I do have a lot of good friends who are teachers who are quite upset about the mandatory testing. Um, I'm looking at it as a parent of almost a year of this now. I mean, and I appreciate all the medical advice, but at what point do we say, for six cases a day or single-digit cases, do we say it's safe enough to go to school? And can it not be on a school-to-school -school basis? I, and my uh, assumption is that even if the teachers do get tested, it's still a half-day resumption. That's my understanding. Um, so, and you know, being nearly a year of online teaching, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, as a parent of three kids, um, if, if there is a positive case, they, they'll close school down for a few days, um, you know, do some mass cleaning, and then back, same as they would do with a gym, same as they would do with a restaurant. Um, I don't, I don't see why schools are any different. Our, our kids are really suffering from this online learning. It's, it's just not ideal. It's been a year now. At what point do we say, yeah? The, the benefits outweigh the risk. Uh, Ms. Harris, um, that's actually uh, uh, just a correction there. They are already instituting testing because ESF schools that's have right. gone to half-time, half uh, mm -hmm. uh, but they are, are trying to push ahead to full-time resumption. Okay. How do you yeah. prevent an outbreak from happening when you don't even detect a case of a cluster outbreak for two to three weeks later after the... Uh, I mean, they're testing every two weeks. You don't see the results until two to three weeks after infection happens. Yeah, that would 
be the same in any case, though, in a gym or a restaurant. Schools are not schools are not gyms or restaurants. You have you have it's an extreme hot spot. Children are asymptomatic often, so children are not being tested. The teachers and staff represent a tiny fraction of the dense population you propose to put together into these high risk areas. The The students are the ones who will bring in the infections. I mean, I live in Discovery Bay, a long weekend in Discovery Bay. I've seen the bus queues, I've seen the MTRs. I'm sorry, there hasn't been many clusters in schools enough to justify a year of online teaching. The reason there have not been is because the schools have been shut down. So that is illogical. No, school hasn't been shut down. They haven't been shut down. No, they haven't. Yes, they have. have Every time we've had a fourth wave, the students have been learning from home. Every time we've had a wave, that has been the case. That's how we've managed to keep it in control. Um, Till this day, after months now, we are still struggling with on the order of 20 cases per day. If we let up now, all those months of work are wasted. This is my argument. There are not many Right. I totally agree with Ms. Harris. And this is not the case. Students have been going back to school, and they're taking turns. And also, this has been way over a year. When will be the time? And the experts, some medical experts, what's your suggestion? What's your suggestion to have kids return back to school safely? Someone has to do something for students. This has been too long, too hard for everyone. This is really hard on everyone, but let me be clear. Viruses don't care. Viruses don't care about how difficult it is for you or I as parents. They will spread if you give them the opportunity to spread. We need to bring the case rate down back to zero, as we did last spring, and then open the schools. Okay. Otherwise, what will you do for another year after we produce another outbreak? All right, we're going to continue the discussion after the news, and we're going to take a break for uh, a few minutes. We've got some uh, emails expressing different views uh, as well. Uh, chip in, backchat at rthk.hk is the email address, or you can call us, 233-88266. Also going to be talking about the closure of UA uh, in Hong Kong. The weather forecast briefly before the news. It's going to be mainly fine. Temperatures today up to about 24 degrees, uh, and it's going to be windy in the next couple of days, mainly fine on Friday and warm during the day. 20 degrees, the latest readings, and the relative humidity is now at 80%. Hey. Welcome back. Back chat this Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about aspects of uh, COVID. We're talking today in particular about the decision for uh, ESF to uh, resume uh, uh, classes for uh, all students with uh, concerns uh, from some parents uh, over the uh, arrangements. Uh, we are joined now by uh, Professor Dekai Wu, who's from the Department of Computer Science and Engineering at the University of Science and Technology. He's also a parent of uh, a student at uh, KG5. We have another the KG5 parent Nancy also joining us uh, on the line. Later we're going to be talking to Chip Cho about the closure of the UA cinemas. Uh, if you want to contribute we want to hear from you. Our number is 233 88266 233 You can email backchat at rthk.hk You can comment on our Facebook page. We've got quite a lot of comments uh, on, a, on a variety of topics. On, on the ESF 
Uh, Gary says, uh, Dear Backchat, I honestly fail to see the logic behind the sudden decision by ESF to resume full school lessons face-to-face, especially given that the pandemic is still very much around. Isn't this move risky, especially for the Year 13 students who will need to sit their IB exams in May? In the event that one of these students tests positive, what would the ramifications be in terms of the Year 13s being able to sit their IB exams in May? Given that vaccinations are now being rolled out, immunity will be better by the time the next academic year starts and that the school year is more than halfway done would it not be more sensible to continue with the current schedule instead of rushing in to resume a full-time time full school timetable parents have been given no explanation as to why and on what basis the esf went ahead and jumped in with the full school resumptions i for one would love to hear a logical explanation that's from gary uh, B says, I think there are a few points that should be highlighted. Uh, the parents are not against a full-time resumption of classes. They are more concerned about the rush in which this was done. The move came after the petition by an initial group of parents who wrote a letter to ESF urging it to start full-time school again. The perception is that even though discussions to resume may have started before then... Uh, forced COVID testing without choice. If the teachers are concerned and anxious, how will this affect their teaching? If uh, if you read the comments below the second petition and the online forums discussing this issue, you will find that, in fact, the parents and teachers are concerned about the forced quarantine in detention camps. The conditions and the food cannot be described as anything other than gross. Ambulance sirens wailing constantly. Steve Vines wrote a great piece about this, his stay in the gulag. The EDB, in this case, has washed its hands and pit the teachers against the parents they should take responsibility in this if it's safe to resume then do it finally i'd add that uh, full time now does not mean full time it's only half day and kids are not allowed to eat and can only drink with a straw with their mask on it's time to get real and accept that there will be some time before things can get back to normal again but there is light at the end of the tunnel vaccines are rolling out it won't be long before normality could return to our lives that is uh, from b and uh, patrick has a couple of comments could you ask the speakers representing teachers we don't have them per se uh, anyway, uh, could it be the case that for fee-paying schools, where teachers' children are getting, where teachers' children are getting an 80% discount in the full fees, like an ESF teacher does, that they have become very comfortable with the status quo? They can do a few Zoom classes for a half day, and they can support and educate their own children as they are trained teachers says uh, Patrick, uh, who also says, uh, can you ask the speakers representing teachers what makes them unique from the many millions of other workers uh, in the economy which must test to go to work? Uh, And we've got a caller on the line now, I think, Cliff. Cliff, good morning. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, Listening to the, the third lady, the second lady was on the show this morning, and I think that I would most concur with what she had to say. Uh, I think that as parents, everyone's struggling with the current situation where, it, you know, the half-day learning, because a lot of the learning is, is being passed on to the parents who are not equipped to handle it. And I think that uh, although the experts in Hong Kong will have their way of doing things, uh, other countries, and particular studies that have been done in the U- in the UK, have shown that there haven't been these large, big cluster outbreaks going on in schools, and there's no strong evidence to show that just children are easily passing on the virus to adults and teachers. Okay, Dr. Kai Wu, you have uh, another thought on this. You want yeah, to absolutely. Uh, you cannot compare the UK statistics with Hong Kong. The UK has the worst rates in the developed world uh, where the population is being exposed from all 
directions. And so it's very hard to control for what, uh, the school situation because they're getting it from all sides. Hong Kong, on the other hand, because of our discipline, has been able to keep uh, the, the rates of infection in the population at bay to a very, very tiny fraction. The risk now is that we become like the UK. We, in order not to become like the UK, what we need to do is maintain the discipline and drive, as we did last spring, the case rate back to zero, and then not allow exceptions in the people coming in and out of Hong Kong, especially into, in Hong Kong, uh, to skip quarantine and to uh, skip testing, because that's how we ended up losing the zero case rates that we had last spring. At this point, what about the protection? What about the protection of masks, um, Dr. Kai Wu? Because um, you've done some, um, uh, you know, experiments on that. You know, sorry, can I just say one thing? I really, you know, I'm really getting frustrated about, you know, yes, the virus is really bad, it's deadly. However, kids' physical and mental well-being just as important. Who has done anything from government perspective? To really concern about Hong Kong, next generation, our children's well-being, physical and mental. This year has been so so difficult, and please do not go back to next last year. Last year there wasn't any test kit, there wasn't vaccination. Now it's all available. The 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 thing is, what are we going to do in Hong Kong to protect the teacher and protect? Medical doctors, please give your opinions to EDB. Need EDB make relevant decisions. Keeping kids at home is not a solution anymore. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. May, I, may, I, may I chime in? One has to question whether or not Hong Kong even has an epidemic. The numbers we have here in some places wouldn't even suggest an epidemic in force. I mean, the number, the number of cases we have here, it'd be life goes on in any other place. The reason we don't have an epidemic now is because we have not let up. Every time we have prematurely let up, we ended up with second wave. We ended up with third wave. We ended up with fourth wave. We do need to learn some lessons from other countries. If you drive the case rate down to zero, then you can have economy and society back. If you keep repeating the same mistakes over a year, of allowing repeated outbreaks, a fifth wave, a sixth wave, then you prolong the agony. We only have to drive the case rate down to zero for two cycles of 14 days. What is preferable? Another year Master, of this pain? Because the vaccines are not going to be rolled out. The vaccines are not going to be out. Excuse me. The vaccines will not be fully rolled out for many months yet. Okay. At that point, we well, can well, let the up. Doctor, I mean, are being put on the uh, priority list for vaccination, right? So once they can start getting it, that's the solution. That's the solution. To I the don't problem. know why you guys think that the that what we need to protect the kids from is the teachers. The teachers are a tiny no, fraction both. of the people in the schools. We need to be protecting children from the children, and we are not testing the children at the schools. If you want to do testing, why are you testing only a tiny fraction of the people at that school? And if you think that. It has been a, a controversy to test the teachers. Well? Imagine that controversy from if we had to test all the children. No. Well, talk to EDB. Tell EDB. EDB makes such a decision. When decision yes. comes out, the parents can make a decision. Maybe parents decide.
decision will be okay. I'm gonna keep my kids at home. No more school. Or some parents will be like, you know, kudos to EDB, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do same thing as required for teachers. You know, we don't know. We don't know. No one told us, right? No yeah. one asked the parents. Th this is okay, why someone. folks like me are here to try to explain the. Uh, uh, and to EDB and to parents. Uh, I, I am a parent of two KG5 students. It has been very painful, and I don't want to see this prolonged by a fifth wave, by a premature, foolhardy move. Okay, uh, uh, number 233882266. I think we've, uh, Cliff, Cliff has gone. Okay, got a lot of emails uh, on this, and an additional comment from Sepno, who was in the... Who was in the first part of the program uh, this morning, who said, uh, by the way, our principal just informed us that it's definitely half-day resumption that they are seeking uh, at the uh, moment. Uh, Matthew says, uh, uh, quite an indirect and unhelpful answer from Dr Chan to my two questions. It was in the first part of the program. On ESF and back to school issue, one problem I want to raise is that if school does go back full-time, then there must be an effective arrangement for children who might have mild non-COVID symptoms, such as a light cough, but are unable to return to school because parents with a cough aren't allowed. I know of a case last year where a child missed three weeks of classes during a critical period because they had a light cough, and although he was otherwise healthy, under the policy he was not allowed to go to school. Um, uh, Phil B, responding to Patrick, who is critical of teachers, says, get real, Patrick, and get that big chip off your shoulder. Tony says, what's the big deal about getting tested? Uh, G, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, CW says, why target schools? People are not blocked from going to work. Schools should resume without the need for teachers to be tested. Swimming pools and beaches should also uh, be opened. Uh, and uh, once again, 233-88266 uh, is a number. Uh, any more further comments on, on, on that issue? Um, uh, yeah, comment. this is from uh, uh, Anne, who says, uh, I hold RTHK reporting in high regard. Therefore, I was surprised by RTHK decision to focus on an anonymous petition on change.org. This petition was started by a small number of ESF teachers and parents, who are opposed to bi-weekly testing of staff imposed by ESF. Anybody on the planet can sign this petition. You do not have to be an ESF parent, nor do you have to live in Hong Kong. The majority of ESF parents want their children to go back to school and are supporting ESF senior management in their attempts to achieve that goal. I hope that by focusing on grievances of disgruntled ESF employees, you will not jeopardise the chance of ESF children to receive face-to-face -face, uh, education. That comes... Uh, uh, from uh, Anne. Um, Dr. Wu, do you want to comment? Uh, yeah, would, did, did you want to comment? Uh, well, I, I want to uh, just make one clarification. ESF is already now resumed half-time. Uh, what, what the concern now is that they want to push ahead to full-time, which no, you know, none of the local schools are doing. And they've communicated no logic. Uh, they've not addressed the scientific concerns that, uh, I, for example, I've just raised. Uh, there's been no transparency about where their decisions are coming from, uh, and there needs to be an alignment with the scientific knowledge that we have about epidemiology and COVID, not not rumors, uh, not you know partial truths. There needs to be 
a full accounting. Do, do you agree with Nancy decision. that maybe then the EDB are in the best position to make that decision? The EDB are not epidemiological specialists. Yes, but they have access to them. They can sort well, of. I, uh, I understand that the Education Bureau is um, suggesting that. Um, uh, half-day resumption is okay if all the teachers get tested. Uh, the Education Bureau has not suggested uh, you know, a full-day resumption simply because during lunchtime uh, the kids will have to take off their masks you know, to, to have a quick lunch and then you know, the risk uh, would increase. Uh, would you be agreeable to a half-day resumption, uh, Professor Wu? So, so the half-day resumption is already the case right now. Uh, my kids are already going half-day without eating lunch at the schools. Um, the, the question is pushing that even further at this point. And, uh, and and I want to separate the ESF from the EDB. The ESF is pushing beyond what the EDB. Uh, they're, they've are, they're already doing today what uh, the EDB has said, uh, but they are uh, uh, talking about pushing to full-day resumption, uh, which is even more dangerous. I think both the ESF and the EDB need to be very transparent about the scientific logic that they are using because it is not consistent with what we have been doing in the scientific model. Would you feel more at ease if all the students get tested, in uh, addition uh, to teachers? Cer certainly. It, it makes zero logical sense to test only the teachers and staff who are a tiny fraction of the dense population at schools. Infections, viruses don't say, oh, we're only going to piggyback on teachers. They can piggyback on children, and children are the majority of the population there. So where is the logic in testing only teachers and staff if you're going to put people together? Okay, well, Deco, we thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Uh, Professor Wu from the Department of Computer Science and Engineering at the University of Science and Technology and also parent of uh, KG5. And also uh, thank you very much indeed to uh, Nancy, another KG5 parent, joining us this morning and all those uh, who uh, emailed as well and uh, commented uh, in uh, other ways. So we should say we did invite the uh, ESF, um, but they were did not provide a spokesperson to uh, join the discussion um, this morning. And I'm an ESF parent uh, myself, uh, just for full disclosure. Uh, before we get to the uh, question of uh, cinemas, we're going to be talking to Chip Cho in, in, in just a moment. A few uh, emails on subjects, uh, other issues, uh, in, in fact, uh, some related to the discussion yesterday on electoral reform in Hong Kong. Uh, Herman says, Stanley Milgram, the American social psychologist best known for his controversial experiments on obedience, conducted in the 60s during his professorship at Yale, once said, the disappearance of a sense of responsibility is the most far-reaching consequence of submission to authority. Yesterday, you had Emily Lau in your programme, and she talked at some length, but we didn't hear much acknowledgement of any responsibility on the part of the pandems for the current state we now face. In fact, for the past years, Emily and the pandems constantly blamed others, never themselves. So if Milgram's statement is true, to whose authority did the pandems submit to? Alan says, Andrew Lung talked about one man, one vote. Meaningless if the CCP can veto anyone who does not shine their shoes. And foreign intervention in 2019, the CCP big lie. Zero proof, enabling them to ignore what protests are actually about. Pretend it's all black hands. Uh, and... Um, James says, I would like to know if there's been any research on Sinovac's unfortunate side effects like death, depending on whether you are patriotic enough. I'm a foreign puppet, so I am worried to take the jab that it will either kill me or make me dance in unison with red flags. Can't we just talk about Meghan and Harry instead? 
Children today show no respect for their elders and that reflects badly on their parents who didn't grow up in lockdown. They're just negligent and lazy. That is uh, from James. Uh, Vince says, The scientific community needs to be more transparent by coming out to explain why they recommend Sinovac uh, without Phase 3 clinical trials data. If we don't have the scientific conclusion yet, why don't we just wait until we have the results before rolling out a decision to vaccinate using Sinovac for people over 60? Now we have BioNTech vaccines in which we have a lot of scientific data for over 60, then we can afford to do that surely now. I think there is a case to be answered and put their hands and say, OK, we made a mistake. Henry, though, on Facebook says, I don't think we need to be overly concerned on the cases so far. Of the four incidents, three has nothing to do with Sinovac. Sinovac has been used in many countries and their side effects is much less severe than that of BioNTech. We should look at each case scientifically and not emotionally. The risk of not taking vaccine is even greater than the risk of taking it. In this world, nothing is risk-free. Uh, but Matthew says a quick fact check on the claim made by Henry that Sinovac has been used in many countries and their side effects side effects are much less than BioNTech. As far as I know, this is a false statement. Sinovac has not been approved yet by the WHO and even the mainland is not using it for over 60. And he goes on to uh, the details of uh, other countries uh, using Sinovac. You can check that out for yourself on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Finally today, to the closure, the sad closure of uh, UA Cinemas, Chip Cho uh, joins us once again uh, on the line, social commentator. Uh, Chip, good morning to you. Do you, are you a cinema goer? Will you miss the UA cinemas? Yeah, I'm rather a uh, frequent cinema uh, goer, so it would be a great pity that uh, the UA uh, would uh, close down. Yes, but uh, inevi- inevitably there's something more or less predicted. Uh, during the uh, pandemic period, cinemas in Hong Kong have been uh, discriminated against. Uh, they have not been allowed to open, while restaurants are partially uh, allowed to open. Uh, cinemas are not allowed to sell popcorns and uh, Coca-Cola, whereas uh, takeaways are allowed uh, at restaurants in the street. And uh, cinema, owners, cinema owners will have to pay high rent to, uh, to uh, shopping more owners. So, I mean... Well, it's a vicious circle. What do you expect? Right. Well, um, hello, Chip. Um, U.S. cinemas uh, gave Hong Kong many firsts. I, I think they were the first um, uh, to introduce the multiplex concept in, in the mid-1980s. And, and before that, uh, we didn't really have these multiplexes. You know, we have uh, standalone uh, cinemas like um, the President uh, Theatre in, in Causeway Bay. Uh, but now we have... Uh, other multiplexes, uh, we have other cinemas, uh, and then they well they have not announced that they're closing down yet. Um, do, do you think um, you know those are also terribly affected? Yes, I think so. Well, others are suffering, and uh, uh, they are pleading, and they've been appealing to the government to uh, allow for some lenient measures so that they could uh, open. Um, I, I think it's a matter of time. I think a few more uh, will have to close anyway because uh, I went to a cinema a couple of weeks ago and uh, I noticed it was uh, uh, very much empty. Uh, films uh, were shown, was, were, were screened, and uh, I, I don't know, they, they, they have to pay very high rent, don't forget. 
the, most of them are in shopping malls, and shopping malls are in the hands of land proprietors, major land proprietors who would not show any mercy uh, of uh, even being willing to negotiate to talk about any slight reduction of rental. Mm. All right. Uh, we had an email from um, Mr. Tang, uh, who says uh, the prevalence of movie streaming platforms such as Netflix and HMVOD has uh, virtually spelled the demise of cinemas. There simply have been dwindling numbers of moviegoers in the past few years since movies are easily accessible on the internet. By paying a reasonable monthly subscription fee, one can watch literally hundreds, if not thousands, of films produced in different parts of the world. To cater to the language needs of viewers, audio commentaries and subtitles in multiple languages are available. Algorithms know us better than we do ourselves, thereby ensuring that viewers' preferences are taken care of. If one can sit comfortably on a recliner at home sipping a cup of latte while enjoying a movie who would go through the drudgery of venturing out to a cinema which is sometimes packed with screaming children and inconsiderate viewers spoiling the pot plot be it intentionally or inadvertently like some film critics the survival of cinemas hinges on their ability to create novel movie viewing experience that viewers cannot replicate at home while i'm no expert on audio equipment upgrades in this area should provide suitable the incorporation of vr goggles and vibrating seats should give viewers an edge of their seat experience while watching high octane action movies featuring car chasing scenes or creepy hollow films full of jump scares that's from mr Tan Chip, do you agree that um, a lot of people will just be at home watching Netflix or whatever? Yes, I do. I, I'm afraid Netflix is going to be a murderer globally of uh, cinemas everywhere. Mm. Uh, but it's a totally different experience. We go to cinemas because we enjoy it. We were, and we enjoy watching a great movie, laughing together, shedding tears over sentimental scenes together. Uh, crowded with strangers and friends and relatives. And there's a very romantic experience, you know, since the time of Charlie Chaplin. It's a, it's a social, it's a kind of social gathering. It's like going to church. You know, you want to go to church and listen to what the priest said. You don't want to go to church online. It's something very different, right? And, uh, well, but I'm afraid the problem has been there for, for, for years, cinemas here uh, uh, screen mostly blockbusters, uh, high-budget Hollywood stuffs, you know, which do not appeal to a rather mature uh, audience who would prefer watching something uh, sentimental, say, or sophisticatedly sentimental stuff like uh, uh, Casablanca, right? Uh, cinemas are more or less... Uh, um, uh, for, for, for teenagers and kids now, Hollywood, well, well, not Hollywood, but Disneyland stuff and whatever. So, I mean, the problem has been there. When you want to watch some, um, well, say, French movie or European uh, European uh, film products, you will have to board a, a Cathay Pacific flight and, uh, and make your choice uh, on, your, on, on a very uh, tight uh, flight seat, right? So, there are there are art cinemas, aren't there? And there are some are. small cinemas. But I mean, they are very difficult to survive, uh, mm. given the high rent as well. I mean, there's another one opened by uh, yeah. by uh, the by the owner of Golden Scene. You know, a very uh, a very brave move in Kennedy Town. But I just 
wonder how long he's going to survive. Right? Well, it's the first month and they are pretty packed. I, I was there just uh, last so. week. Uh, but, you know, um, Chip, what, what, what do you think that the younger generations are thinking? Uh, you know, they've got so many choices now and going to the uh, the movies is probably not their first choice. No. Or do, you, do you think that um, that could be revived somehow? Well, it's difficult. The demise of the cinemas is going to be similar to that of bookshops and printed media, newspapers and this things. You know, the global the, the, the global tribes of uh, internet is uh, going to kill everything. Uh, you are dealing with uh, a claustrophobic uh, uh, teenage generation who lock themselves up in the room, refusing to talk to parents, who hide everything, the, the, the history or the track record of what they've been watching within uh, their own uh, mobile phone, right? You switch off the mobile phone, they will suffer from depression. So it's a global phenomenon. It's a global mental disease that has to be dealt with by uh, some governments. But, well, I mean, it's been, people have been talking about it since President Obama, who issued a warning when he was in power, but uh, nothing uh, can be done, right? You can't, you can't beat the gurus of uh, Facebook and uh, Netflix. They are doing pretty well, right? I mean, they say, okay, you know, they're... Um, their so-called platforms do provide uh, opportunities for filmmakings and creativities, yes. Uh, but you see, uh, there are long series like uh, The Crown, you know, uh, being screened in different seasons, right? Very long stuff in, in, in multi-episodes. And that would change the film language. That would change the narrative structure of a normally 90-minute film, right? That would make filmmaking even more difficult. That would marginalize small-budget uh, movies, right, mm. for decades. So making a young, cinema, a young filmmakers more difficult to get into business, very competitive. Okay, J James in an email says, I still miss cine art cinema in Wan Chai. I saw Farewell My Concubine there in 1993 uh, during a holiday. It was the start of my love affair with Hong Kong. Small cinemas, please come back. That was a good cinema, wasn't it? Cine art cinema. Yes, well, uh, James can go to Kennedy Town to the Golden Scene. Okay. It's a very cool <laughs> Yes. All right, uh, and uh, there's still the cinema in in Yamate, isn't there? What's that, what's that called? The, the Broadway. The Broadway, yeah, that uh, has an interesting se uh, selection. Uh, uh, let's see one more comment. I think uh, on Facebook, Henry says the UA closure is not surprising since few go to cinemas if open. Operators cannot allow the cinema to remain closed for an indefinite period. Bleeding must be stopped, just like we see many restaurants, shops close to stop bleeding. When things are rosy again, of course, businessmen may open this or that, but no doubt COVID has caused a paradigm shift. The full effect remains to be seen. Uh, thanks very much indeed, uh, uh, Chip. Thanks for uh, joining us, social commentator, on, on the uh, line there. Uh, let's finish off with a few more comments. Uh, Dan says, uh, Dr Wu seems to be playing the part of the Grinch that cancelled classes. The claims that his views are rooted in science seems questionable. As I understand it, children tend not to catch or spread COVID. 
COVID. And the idea that we can achieve and maintain zero cases over time is a fantasy. As one of your parent guests said, we need to take into account all the needs of our children, including their mental, social and total physical <coughs> needs. School is the best place for them to be. We need more normal. That's from uh, Dan. And uh, Martin says, who voted down, this is referring to the uh, political discussion yesterday, who voted down the 2014 electoral reform package? Who rejected implementation of Article 23? Who openly invited US, UK and Western governments to interfere into Hong Kong political system? Who tried to demonise mainland China and cut out the central government completely from the political process? Who encouraged and supported anti-China protests, outright insurrection, mutual assured destruction, holding Hong Kong and its people's livelihood at ransom and never condemned the violence before the introduction of the NSL. Listening to Emily Lau and the Pandems is listening is like listening to the song from Shaggy, It Wasn't Me. That's from Martin. Thank you very much indeed for your, all your comments. Uh, Ada, thank you very much indeed. And thanks to uh, producer Michelle. Uh, the weather before we go, it's going to be mainly fine with temperatures up to about 24 degrees. The outlook windier in the next couple of days, mainly fine on Friday and it will be warm during the day. 20 degrees, the latest readings with a relative humidity now of 78%. Suffering from work-related illnesses? Come to Labor Department's Occupational Health Clinic to receive medical treatment, prevention tips and book follow-up consultations. Just call the Kowloon Hotline 2343 7133 or the New Territories Hotline 3543 5701 to choose your appointment time. No referral letter is required. Labor Department's Occupational Health Clinic. Always working for your health. 9.33, the news with Susan Lavender. A leading epidemiologist has expressed concern over the recent death, deaths of people who've received the Sinovac coronavirus vaccine. An expert panel has so far ruled there's no link to the vaccines, but Professor Ben Cowling from the University of Hong Kong says there isn't enough overseas experience on using Sinovac on elderly people to ascertain its effects. The latest ambush-style lockdown has ended in Nathan Road in Chim Sa Choi, with health officials having tested about 500 people but found no positive cases. All residents of Chim Sa Choi Mansion had to take a test by 2 o'clock this morning. It was the first overnight lockdown in two weeks. And Chinese energy giant Sinoc is delisting from the New York Stock Exchange. This follows an executive order from former President Donald Trump, which effectively bans US investors from directly investing in the company. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the university. A set and costume designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you and welcome to Tuesday, right here on The Morning Brew. So today and tomorrow, we're going to be finding out about Hong Kong's two ever popular film festivals, especially this year. It's great to see them back. Yep, game on. And at 1010, we're going to welcome the executive director of the Alliance Francaise, Jean-Sébastien Attier. He's going to tell you.